Welcome to Building Astropad. I'm Matt Runge, co-founder and CEO at Astropad, and I'll be taking you behind the scenes at our company where we build software and hardware products for creative people. So if you're a creator interested in starting a business or creating your next big project, join us and let's learn together. Well, hi, everyone. I'm Matt here with Savannah. Hey, everyone. So today we're talking about our Kickstarter again, and we're in the midst of planning for it. We're shooting for an October launch right now of our Kickstarter. And we're, we're deep in preparing for you know the creative assets, the video, the page. And so we thought we'd talk about that today. In particular, I know, Savannah, you've got a lot to say about the video because that's really what you're working on right now. Yeah, we're in the thick of it right now. We, you know, we have about five weeks left until our targeted launch date. So that means we are deep in, you know, designing our Kickstarter page, preparing for our video shoot. It's crunch time for sure. So I have a lot of things on my mind when it comes to preparing for these creative assets. So yeah, a lot of these things that we're going to talk about today, like I'm, I'm still working on sort of troubleshooting them myself. So, well, I think Matt's going to ask me some good questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to gonna, yeah, I'm gonna ask you some questions about what's going on. And that's why we thought it'd be a good topic to talk about right now, you know, because we're going through it right now. Well, okay. So the first thing is like when we say creative assets for a Kickstarter page, what are we talking about? Like what are the most important things we need to have ready? Yeah. Well, the main thing, of course, is your Kickstarter video. I think... That's the big thing that people worry about, which of course it's super important, but then there's this whole other side of the creative assets that I think maybe a lot of people when they're planning their campaign don't think about, or it's not as top of mind as the video, but it includes your whole Kickstarter page and all of the copy, the photos, the graphics, like everything visual and written that goes on that page. And yeah, I wouldn't say that we are experts or have all of this, you know, figured out completely, but I just want to talk about like how we are approaching it in our second time around, like some of the things that we're doing a little bit differently from our first Kickstarter campaign, because we did learn some good lessons from that first campaign about things that we wish we would have outsourced or things that we wish we would have done ourselves. So yeah, so video, photos, copy, and graphics are all of the main creative assets that you need to be thinking about going into your Kickstarter. Yeah, and the thing with the graphics and the photos and, and the copy course too is that the Kickstarter page editor itself doesn't allow you to do HTML, doesn't allow you to do freeform HTML. So it's a pretty limited editor. So what we're doing and what a lot of other projects do too, is they'll actually like put wholesale graphics together ahead of time in another another program and upload those whole those whole graphics with the the text embedded, with the photos and everything kind of kind of together. So that's also why why this is really important too to get the look that we want on the Kickstarter page. Yeah, you're definitely limited by the Kickstarter platform. So you know it's good to you know set up your Kickstarter account a few months in advance and kind of start playing around with the editor so that you can get a feel for like the limitations and how your graphics and everything can fit into that. Yeah. So just play around with it ahead of time. Yeah. And that's, and that's how we really got to the strategy of using, using the graphics because it was, it's so limited. So 
what do we think about what's going on our video versus what goes on the page? Like what, what kind of things do you think should go on the page and not in the video, for example? Yeah, good question. I kind of think that you need to duplicate all of the really important information in both your video and on your page because you can't assume that everyone's going to go to your Kickstarter page and watch the video right away. Some people might want to scroll down the page. I think I'm kind of that type of person where I will only watch a video if I'm really interested in the product. Otherwise, I'm just going to scroll and see, you know, if I if I'm interested at all. Other people though might watch the video and might not ever even look at your page and they'll watch the video and then just click buy. So you really have to kind of duplicate the information in both mediums to kind of accommodate different types of people. But that being said, with this Kickstarter campaign that we're planning for Luna Display, I prefer to keep the really detailed information on the Kickstarter page, not in the video. I like to think of our video as more of like a product commercial and save, you know, all the nitty gritty information for further down on the page. Because, you know, when you start going into detail about like technology and all of these system requirements and everything, it's the audience who is going to be interested in that information gets smaller and smaller. And so you don't want to take up important time or real estate on your page with like putting that right away at the beginning. So yeah, I'd save, personally, I prefer to save more of the details for your page and think of your video as like a commercial. Yeah. And for us, we're not afraid to make our page really long. Like I know our, our next Kickstarter page, we have designs of it we're working on right now and there's a lot of content on it, but that's okay. You know, cause you don't have to look at all of it, but we're making it yeah. really extensive for the people that really want to dig into the details. That as you said, does, doesn't make sense in a video, right? Like we can't, we can't have a 10 minute video and I know there are Kickstarters that have done it. Yeah. You know, you can always find exceptions, but for us, we want it short and sweet. Yeah. Our Kickstarter page that we're planning right now is long and scrolling, but we know that most people aren't going to make it down to the bottom of the page, but the people that do make it down to the bottom of the page, like reading all the information, they're the people that are, they really have a lot of questions. They're really trying to, you know, get all the details about the product. And so when you're planning both your video and your page, think of like organizing the information in like a descending order. So the most important information at the top and then, you know, as you get further down the page, get into like the more detailed information that not everyone will be as interested in. But my best piece of advice for planning both your video and your page is to do research. Before we started looking or working on our on our own Kickstarter campaign, we took like a week on the marketing team to look at all of the top performing Kickstarter campaigns and what are what are their videos like? What are their pages like? What are the common themes between all of these top performing campaigns? And we kind of did some like market research and we prepared all of that in a document. Like the three of us on the marketing team, we did our own research and then came together and shared our findings. And 
that's kind of how we started the whole process of preparing for the video and our page. Yeah, definitely. And for us then, getting into the Kickstarter video, which is super key, especially on mobile as well. On mobile, if you look at a Kickstarter page, you'll see that the main, like the page you typically see if you're browsing on a, a desktop, Mac or PC, isn't even isn't even there. They really just show you the video and the backer tiers below it. So we, you've also got to make sure, of course, your video is really good. Mm-hmm. And well, what are we thinking about? Where are we at with our video right now? Right now, we are, well, we're in the planning stages for our video. <laughs> we're kind of, I don't know, some people might say that we're kind of saving it for the last minute, but that's because we've been waiting for the technology that we need from Luna Display to get to a spot where we can film it, where we're confident enough in the technology. And we're finally there. And so we are planning for our video shoot to happen in about two weeks. And there's a lot of details that go into that. So, you know, planning the script and the shot list and finding a location and a videographer and everything. Right now we are in that planning phase. And I actually just met with our videographer yesterday to kind of kick off all of this. But I filled her in on, you know, what my vision is for the video. And, you know, I've been meeting with the marketing team to work on building a shot list and everything. Yeah. And so we're in the thick of it right now. Yeah. So let's actually speaking of the videographer and the shot list, you know, let's talk about the process going into it. Like, what do you start with when you're doing a new video? Like, what's the first thing you, you start working on? Yeah. Oh, this is hard because it's always kind of like a chicken and egg problem. It's like, oh, do you want like, do you want to have your Kickstarter page done and then have your video like really reflect and, you know, feel in line with the page? Or do you want to do it the other way around where you have the video done first and then kind of fill in all the gaps with your page? For us, we've kind of just been working on this all at the same time. So we have, you know, we're working on designing the Kickstarter page and then using the hierarchy of the information on that page to write our video script and shot list. So I prefer to start with the script and then move on to the shot list. So we write the script ourselves, like we don't outsource this at all. And My process for it is I open up a Google Doc and then it's like kind of like writing a poem, which is kind of cheesy. It's very different (laughs) from like writing copy for a website because as you're writing your script for the video, you know, it needs to sound good when it's read out loud. And so I'll be working on the script and I'm just like constantly reading it out loud with like the tone and inflections that I want the the narration to be read. And then I'm always like timing it too. So as I come up with drafts, like it'll, like the first draft will end up always end up being really long. And then I shorten it and shorten it and shorten it until it's the length that I want it to be when it's read out loud. So yeah, it's a bit like writing a poem and 
I, yeah, the flow of the script really follows the flow of our Kickstarter page. So it starts off, you know, just giving like a high level overview of like, what is Luna? But then right away at the beginning of the video, we talk about the pain points of working remote because our main audience for Luna Display is remote workers. And especially now that everyone's working from home during this pandemic, like the pain points of remote work are so exaggerated. And so we in our script are really highlighting that in our video, like what are the pain points of remote work and how does Luna solve that? And I think it's something that everyone can relate to right now. So yeah, first we give a high level overview in the in the script and then we talk about the pain points and then we get into all the product information, like product features, use cases, like how you can use it. Yeah, and we do talk a bit about like the technology, so it gets a little more in the details with the technology but not as detailed as it is on our Kickstarter page. So that's the script. Well, so when you're writing it, are you like picturing what the scene at the same time is that you want? Or are you writing down the copy first and then later coming up with the scenes to match with it? Oh, that's a good question. I think I, I kind of have an idea in my mind as I'm writing the script, like I'm visualizing it, but I think it's really important to not be so married to like a visual like a visual for your video, because unless you're a very like creative videographer yourself, you should leave a lot of creative freedom for whoever is shooting your video. Like you don't want to over plan it because then, you know, you might be disappointed or you might not leave any room for like creativity and flexibility and I always think that on the day of a video shoot, there's always so much like magic that happens during that shoot that you don't plan for. Like there's just, you know, when you're there with a videographer, like, you know, they they have great ideas and you're there and you're just in the moment and you always come up with, with these like cool little things that you just didn't expect before. So you really don't want to over plan it when you're preparing for your shot list. But after I write the script, you know, I do it in a Google Doc and then I, you know, divide the Google Doc into two columns. So my script, the narration is on the left side, and then on the right side, I start writing out my shot list. And it's, you know, that's where I put ideas for what I want the videographer to shoot, but it's not like so detailed. So you know, I'll, I'll say like, okay, at this part, at this line, I want there to be a, a scene of plugging, like a close-up shot of plugging Luna into the, a Windows laptop. And then I want there to be a scene where we move a screen from your Windows laptop onto your iPad. So I write out the shots like that. They're pretty general, but just to give some idea for what we want to shoot on the day of. Yeah, definitely. And Looking at this here, um, so we're we're targeting right about two minutes or so, two minutes or less for our video. And I'm just I pulled up your your doc here, and mm -hmm. 
you know, seeing how it's it's split between two, the narration on one side, the shot list on the other, you know, and it's, you know, things like messy death shot, right? You're not prescribing exactly how how it should be, but, you know, kind of the yeah. general tone of what you want. Tons of tabs and windows open, crunched on one screen, right? Like, yeah. And then next to it, you've got the lines that that goes with. And the other thing for somebody that hasn't done this before is you said you start with a lot of, of lines and copy that you've written out, but by the end of it here, it's actually not that many lines of text. Yeah. Like for, for two, you know, you would think it would be a lot more for two minutes. Like, let's see, how many sentences are there here? There's like, you know, maybe on the order of like 20. Like, I think the whole script ends up being, what is it, two pages? But that's only like half of a, you know, it's divided into two columns. So it is, it's really not that much. And that's because you don't want the narration to be so overwhelming. Like whoever does the voiceover, you want there to be lots of pauses so that people can really take in and digest what they're seeing on screen. So yeah, it's really not that much narration. And then you also can think about like, are you going to have text overlays like captions on the video for certain, you know, things that you really want to like drive home visually, like if you want to call out certain features. And so, yeah, you don't, you don't want to make the narration so overwhelming. Yeah. And I remember that was something that surprised me the first time we started doing videos and we worked with the agency for the first time and just seeing how they did it like this. They did this format too. And and they had, yeah, there just wasn't that much text to read for the narration. I just remember being surprised by that. But when you see it all come together, it makes sense. There's only so fast, as you said, the narrator can read. There's only so fast you can switch scenes. Of course, you could do it faster, but it may not make sense to the viewer. You know, you got to give them time to soak it in and understand what's going yeah. on. The other thing too, that we haven't done, this is you have like text descriptions of the shot list. And I know some people like to do storyboards where they literally sketch something out. I think that's a good option mm -hmm. too. We just traditionally haven't. haven't yeah. That. Not that I can remember. Have we done a storyboard? I don't think that? so. I mean, also like the way that I do the script and shot list, like I don't know what the industry standard is for this kind of thing, but this is just how I do it. And I guess it's worked for us in the past. So, I mean, I'm sure there are tons of different ways that you could approach this, but for me, I just like to start with the narration and then fill in like the visual shot list from there. Yeah. So that's that's super important, the narration, the shot list, and then the shoot location. Yes. And that's, which, that's something we're working on now, which has been tricky during uh, times of COVID. Yeah, that is, I'm a little bit worried about this one because normally, you know, in the past we've worked with an agency that has, you know, arranged a location for us, or we've, you know, shot a video like at our office space in Minneapolis. This time around, you know, they're just, it's a lot more complicated with COVID and, you know, getting people together for a shoot and finding a location because, you know, some places like today, I just reached out to a location and they weren't even taking reservations, I think, because of the pandemic going on. So trying to figure that one out at the moment. But my, you know, what I'm looking for in a shoot location is, well, first of all, it has to be approved by our videographer. Like I'll send her 
the lo- like some location ideas and I need her to look at it and let me know if like there's enough lighting, like there's enough room to do what we need to do in that room. But, you know, as far as like our specific campaign, I'm looking for kind of a homey environment to shoot this video because our product is for people working remote, mostly in their homes right now, which is totally a sign of the times. But I don't really... I don't really want just like a really open like studio location with nothing in it. Like I want it to feel like we are in someone's house. So I'm looking into like some Airbnbs to see if, you know, we can rent an Airbnb for a few days and, you know, get permission to shoot a, you know, product video in someone's home. Generally, we we try to do a shoot in just one day. We'll get there in the morning and it usually takes about a day for the shoots that we've done in the past. So looking for like a one day shoot location where we can just get it all done in that one spot. But this one we're still figuring out. Yeah. And one thing, I mean, we're certainly not experts at this, but one thing we've learned from from going through this a couple of times is that uh, natural light is super important. Like whenever I've gone inspecting a potential location with like a videographer or, you know, photographer or somebody that really knows what they're doing, they're always looking at the windows and, you know, what direction it faces and what time of day we're going to be shooting and how the sun's going to be coming in. Because natural light really looks good for, for videos. So that's one thing we're taking into account now too, is the spaces we're looking at. You know, you don't want to do this in a basement. If you're going to do that, you're going to have to bring in really expensive lighting to make it look good. And Mm -hmm. it's going to be really complicated. So we've always really relied on, of course, we do have some lighting and that's, you know, not done by us. That's done by the pros we bring in, but that's, you know, Mm -hmm. something I've learned to pay attention to is, is what, what does the natural light situation look like? Which we should talk about who, who's doing the actual shooting. Yeah. Oh, backtrack a little bit. Yeah. Backtrack. That's important. We skipped some major stuff here. Yeah. Well, you know, in the past, well, for our last Kickstarter, we worked with a creative agency, which, you know, obviously worked really well for us. You know, we had a very successful campaign, but this time around, we are bringing a lot of that creative work in-house and just, yeah, doing it ourselves on our little three-person marketing team. And the reason why we're deciding to do that this time around is... Well, a few reasons. First of all, working with an agency is pretty expensive. And I found that, you know, it was just a lot of work for me to manage that relationship with the agency, like going back and forth over email. I hate email. Like it was just, it was just a lot of work. I second that. (laughs) Yeah. Coordinating over email sucks. Lots of back and forth. And like, I I just think it's so much more efficient to, you know, just get together with my team, like in-house, like kind of tackle these problems, be in constant communication with them. But the main reason why we're doing a lot of this stuff in-house is that we have a very creative oriented marketing team where we can handle a lot of this creative work ourselves. We have really strong copywriting talent on our team really strong design talent. And actually, both of the two other people on the marketing team, Rachel and Tiffany, they are both artists themselves. And so we 
yeah, we have a lot of like creative talent and it's, I don't know, it's kind of fun to just work on these things our own instead of outsourcing it. We've decided though to outsource the things that we aren't good at, which for our marketing team, like since we're more creative oriented, I would say we're not as analytically minded. And so like we've outsourced our paid ads and, you know, we have another person in the company helping us with like managing partnerships and promotions to get ready for the Kickstarter. But yeah, I don't know. I really enjoy working on these things like the video, the page, the script, all of that. And so I just, I don't know. I told Matt a few months ago that I wanted to do it myself and it's definitely a lot of work, but it's really fun. Yeah. And we've got, as you said, you know, a lot of people with design eye on the team, a lot of people that have that creative spirit like yourself that want to get into the details. And, you know, we're not the kind of company too, that's just going to be like, hand it off to somebody else. and like, oh, make a video. We don't really care what it looks like. Like we, we get pretty into the nitty gritty. Maybe somebody accuses us of being control freaks with uh, <laughs> the video and the set and the script and all that. But hey, you can't argue with the results, right? Yeah. So yeah, we're going on, you know, a much lighter weight re- approach this time and using a videographer we worked with before. She well, actually she she works with somebody else that does the filming and she's like the director and she does the yeah. editing. But so there's we, a lot of Yeah, we've yeah, hired no, ahead, a, we've hired a freelance videographer to to help shoot our video, but I mean, yeah, we're very involved in all the details of planning for that. And if you don't have a very creative oriented marketing team like we do, like there's definitely no problem with outsourcing your video and Kickstarter page to an agency. That's what we did last time. I mean, I was very involved with it, but they helped us make graphics and everything for our page and help write copy, which they did a great job with. So I think you just have to like know your weaknesses there and know what you want to handle yourself and and what you want to outsource. And we also know that we can't do the filming ourselves. We can't do the editing. We're not pro like that. To have the look we want, we need somebody that really knows what they're doing, that has the equipment, that has knows how to set up the lighting, knows how to, you know, set up a set to look nice on on screen. Mm-hmm. All these things that are skills we don't have on the team, you know, so that's where we bring in the pro. Yeah. And then, you know, going back to, we were talking about like the shoot location yeah, and like hand in hand with that is the set that you're actually shooting on. And so, you know, I'm looking at shoot locations right now and some of the things that I'm looking for within those locations are if they have, you know, bright, clean surfaces for us to shoot on, because we like to do a lot of up close shots with like an, a laptop and an iPad and Luna display. So it's like super up close, like top down shots. And it's really nice to have like a bright, clean surface, like a big white table, or like I was just looking at a place that had like a big marble countertop that would be great to shoot on. And so I'm looking for surfaces like that, but then we are also looking to do like lifestyle shots. So like I said, we we want sort of like a homey environment. So is there a space where we can like set up a desk and give like an home, a home office feel with, you know, we don't want it to look like super cold and sterile. So like, are there things to warm it up, like artwork in the background? And those are just like personal decisions that we've made. Like that's the vibe that we want to give on, on the video is, you know, like a warm home office environment. So 
those are things that I'm looking for as I'm choosing a shoot location. Yeah. And for the set too, we'll bring in all sorts of, I don't know, I'd say little knickknacks <laughs> to put on the desk too. You yeah. know, notepad, pen, little cactus, some books, you know, yeah. a, a speaker. And, it, and it's amazing too, how it really livens it up. Just put a couple things on there I and mean, really pay attention to the the color and, and, and the layout of it and just look through, <laughs> look through the camera, see how it looks, adjust it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It works pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right, so that's talking about the set, and we talked about the videographer. Now, how about the voiceover? Mm-hmm. What are we going to do about the voiceover? Yeah, this one I was a little bit worried about because for our last Kickstarter video, the agency that we worked with took care of their narr- the narration. They actually did it all themselves like within the agency, and they did a great job. But this time around, like we have to outsource the voiceover And so when I met with our videographer yesterday, she recommended a website called voices.com, which I hadn't heard of, but I guess how it works is like you upload your script and your video once it's shot, and then a bunch of voiceover actors like submit their narration for your video, and then you choose which one you like the most. So... That's, I think, what we're going to do. That's what our videographer recommended. And it sounds good to me. So, yeah, pretty slick. I'll be, yeah, curious to see how that works out for us. And for the music, too, we've typically just found a site online that's selling music where you can grab the royalties to find something that fits with our video. Nothing crazy, nothing like getting music done specifically for our video or trying to find a well known artist or, you know, none of that. There's a lot of music you can get out there for really you know, affordable prices that mm-hmm. you can use in the video. And that's what we've always done. It always just turned out really good. Yeah. Or we'll reuse, you know, something that like from a previous video, we've done that before. We we really like the music that from our all of our previous videos. So we've kind of recycled it a few times. So maybe, maybe we'll end up doing that for this one. I think it just kind of depends on, yeah, what the vibe of the video is like. But we in general like to keep things pretty like, you know, upbeat and optimistic sounding. So, definitely. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Nothing like epic, you know? Yeah. Definitely upbeat. And actually, if you're listening to this podcast in the beginning part, you heard the music. We're recycling it again. That was the music from our first <laughs> ever video. <laughs> that video is not online anymore, but we really like the music from it and it worked well for the podcast. So, there you go. We keep yeah. reusing and recycling, right? It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> so how about editing the video? What do, we, what do we do when it comes time to editing? Yeah, this part this this part takes a lot of work. Honestly, like the few weeks before the video is a lot of work and then editing, you got to leave a few weeks after you shoot the video. Actually, like shooting the video is the easiest part. Like we do that on one day and it's like one and done, but then editing, that's where there's a lot of back and forth between us and the videographer to make sure everything is exactly how we want it. That's why it's really important though to find a videographer that really like understands your product and like the vibe and the vision that you're going for. And I feel pretty confident in the videographer that we're working with this time around because we've done a video with her in the past and we really liked her work. And so she was super easy to work with and it made my job easier because I didn't have to like go back and forth with her like, for days and days to get the video where I wanted it to be. 
Another thing I'm thinking about with editing, though, is we are planning to do a short animated segment in our video. And one of our marketing team members, Tiffany, is actually, you know, she's an artist and she is experimenting with some animations. And so she's been working on those. And, you know, I told our videographer ahead of time that we're planning to have some animations. And, you know, that's all like accounted for in our script and our shot list. And so we will go at go into the editing process knowing that, you know, we'll need to like slot those animations into the final edit. Yeah. Yeah. And usually we go back and forth a couple times on the edit. Nothing too crazy. Two, three, four times tops on an edit. Yeah. I think previously we didn't even do that many times. Yeah. Just to like get all the the caption overlays, like exactly how we want it. And, you know, maybe sometimes the videographer will be like, oh, which like which shot do you like for this part? And she'll give us like a few options to choose from. But but yeah, if you find a videographer that really aligns with, you know, what you're what you're going for, hopefully you won't have to do too much back and forth. But the videographer that we're working with, she tends to work really fast. So we've allotted like two and a half weeks between the shoot date and the launch of our Kickstarter for edits, which I'm sure that sounds kind of crazy for some people, like that's not enough time, but I guess we're, we'll roll with it. <laughs> well, that's, that's actually make, reminded me of a, a funny story when we launched Astropad 1.0. We had, we worked with the agency that gave us a huge discount to produce our original Astropad video because we had like no budget at the time, but we knew we needed a video when we launched our first product, Astropad. And so because we were paying so little for it, like we felt like we couldn't ask for a lot. And so in terms of getting the video, I think I told them we needed to buy the day before our actual launch. <laughs> and so it just kind of showed up one edit. We didn't really know what we were expecting, what to, you know, it just kind of like, all right, well, we're going to get what we're going to get and we're going to have to go with it. You know, thankfully we don't have to do that anymore. We have, you know, a little bit more budget and we can we can do multiple rounds. Yeah. Oh my god. But that was that was just like, oh, well, we're going to we're going to roll with, with what they send us unless it's, you know, god awful. But thankfully wow. it was awesome. <laughs> I just thought of that. The the other thing too I wanted to say about the editing is we always go in with the philosophy of shoot a ton of stuff, shoot way more than we're going to need. And also, as you were saying earlier, Savannah, where we get cool little ideas where we're like, oh, let's let's try this layout. Let's try shooting something like this, where we'll just kind of ad hoc, put some scenes together too, that aren't necessarily in the original set list or shot list, excuse me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do that and get a bunch of stuff, get a bunch of scenes on the on the cutting room floor and sometimes some of the ones that we kind of more ad lib and ad hoc together we end up we end up using but there's always a ton more footage that we've shot than we we actually use yeah so one thing i wanted to talk about too is kind of the type of video because we've covered really the the main pieces of the video as we're going together the script shot list shoot location set you know voiceover music editing videographer a lot of the main pieces right but Going up a level from that, I wanted to talk a bit about the kinds of videos you see on Kickstarter. And so often you'll see these videos that are 
not, I'm not really sure how to describe them. Maybe almost more like interview style videos where they're maybe following the founder of the, you know, the Kickstarter project around asking questions of him or her and really telling the story of the, this like creation of this, this widget. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you also see other stuff that's more, almost more like a commercial, almost more like you could see it in a social ad or you could even see it on TV. Right. I was wondering if, you could speak to that and why why we've tended to go one direction with it. Yeah, we we tend to go with more of like the product commercial videos really because we like to recycle these videos and you know after our Kickstarter campaign wraps up, we will take a pretty similar version of our Kickstarter video and put it on our website as our product video. And I guess you could shoot a different video for that, but it would just be more expensive. And we like to, we're pretty scrappy. So we, we yeah, like we to just, recycle it. Yeah, we just told you we're recycling the, the music and everything that's on this podcast. Yeah, right. We're, we're <laughs> recycle, reuse, be scrappy. We're, we're yeah. definitely scrappy. The other thing I'll say too is I think it's really hard to pull off a good interview. I'm going to call them interview style videos. I don't know if they have a more appropriate name. I think it's really hard to pull off a good one. You have to have somebody that's amazing on camera. You have to have a killer story. And then you have to tie it all together with the product. And those are generally longer too. So it has to be a really good story that's going to hold people's interests. You're really walking a fine line there. When it works, it works really, really well. Some of the best Kickstarter videos I've seen are like that. But when it doesn't work, it falls flat on its face. Yeah. <laughs> we need the video to work. Yeah. So we're going more with the tried and true approach we know, which is doing kind of a more commercial product, commercial style mm -hmm. video. What I see really often is like campaigns will combine those. So the first half of the video will be kind of like commercial style. Then the second half will be like an interview with the founder. I prefer to keep the video short and sweet. And so if you want to shoot like a interview style video, you can do that, like make it a separate supplementary video and put it further down your page or use it, you know, to email your email list or something like that to talk about like the story or put it in a Kickstarter update. But yeah, I like to break those up. But I think this is a good transition into talking about video length because this is something that we... I that guess have taken maybe a different philosophy on this than some other campaigns. Cause yeah, we keep it short and sweet, usually well, under two minutes. <laughs> yeah. Under two minutes. I mean, that also goes to how we want to reuse the video as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, you know, in our Kickstarter research that we were doing a few months ago, looking at other successful campaigns, I saw a lot of videos that were like, four minutes, five minutes, even like six or seven minutes long. And, you know, a lot of those were from successful campaigns, but I just can't imagine that the majority of, you know, your people who are on your page are going to watch a seven minute video. I definitely wouldn't. No way. I just think, well, I'm not either. <laughs> I just think that the drop off rate after, you know, even 30 seconds is like, most people aren't going to watch beyond that. And so, yeah, I just, I don't think it's worth it to shoot a really long video. 
personally. That's my personal preference. Yeah. I agree. And then we'll do the interview. Like I'll probably be a talking head video somewhere on there. Put yeah. me down towards the bottom of the page, which is fine. You know, keep, yeah. the, keep the main video focused on the product. Keep it, keep it short and sweet. But because that drop-off rate is so severe, that's why you need to have the important stuff in the very beginning. Like there can't be some build, big like buildup to, you know, your product and like the spiciness of it. Like you have to put it in the first like five seconds. Like someone who clicks on your video needs to understand what your product is in like the first few seconds. You just can't, you can't leave it up to, you can't depend on people to watch the whole video because it just won't happen. Yeah, totally. And that's where the page and the video build on each other. Mm -hmm. Well, that leaves us at a good point to kind of wrap things up. And I'm curious what other tips you might have for somebody that wants to do their first Kickstarter video. Mm, yeah, I mean, definitely want to, you know, mention a guy and like, do your research, see what's out there, see what other people are doing. Like, don't take our word for it. You know, really have, you know, a vision and find a videographer that aligns with that. But don't be so set in that vision. Like, leave a lot of it up to the magic that happens on the day of your shoot because fun things happen. Yeah, we always improvise something cool. Yeah, totally. Well, thanks, Savannah. Any other books or resources that you'd suggest for somebody doing a... I know I, know I have a couple. Do you have any yeah. you want to share? Oh, gosh. Do I have anything? I've been reading for leisure lately because I was just <laughs> on vacation. So <laughs> what about you, Matt? What, do you, what have you well, been... There's a couple things. Yeah, there's a couple things I thought of. One is Copy Hackers, which is... There's some books off that. There's a website. So go to copyhackers.com. A bunch of great resources for, for doing copy and also help you, you know, write a write a video script. I've just I've just found some of this stuff to be really useful in the past. The other thing is for folks that don't have as much of a design eye, one book that can be helpful if you need to do some of this stuff yourself is a book designed for hackers. And that talks a lot about all design principles that really anybody can pick up. And I thought that was a really interesting one. And finally, too, Wistia, which does a lot of online video stuff, has some resources on doing your own videos. Tons of resources out there, too. So I want to link to that as well that can provide some inspiration and some ideas and even more how-to if you're actually shooting it yourself. Because I get too that some people don't have the budget for these kinds to hire a videographer to, to rent a set and do all these sorts of things and need to kind of more do it themselves as well. Mm -hmm. So that's a good resource to check out. I do want to give a shout out to a Twitter account that I follow for marketing stuff. Yeah, yeah, stuff. yeah. Like if you, if you are, you know, working on writing a lot of this, like your copy and marketing assets yourself, I recommend Harry's marketing examples. It's oh, he's so um, good. at marketing HQ. And he, he does a lot of like side by side comparisons of like bad copy versus good copy or like bad, you know, marketing images versus good ones and how to add like a human element to your marketing and stuff like that. It's great if you are just like diving into the marketing world or if you are, you know, 
an expert even, like you'll always find something from him. And I think he has a newsletter too. You can follow him on Twitter and he's always posting stuff. I've been really enjoying his his stuff lately. Oh, he's so good. Harry Dry. Uh, he posts the best stuff. We'll link to some of some of our favorites too. Yeah. There's a couple too that I just have. I'm on his newsletter too. And there's a couple that I just have like sitting in my inbox that I don't want to delete because they're so good. Nice. So yeah, we'll link to some of those. All right. Well, well, great. Can't wait to see how the video turns up. Turns Me out. too. We're, <laughs> now that we're getting to crunch time. Yeah. We always pull it off though. So yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good. Well, thanks Savannah. Yeah. All right. 